may be seated. We're going to uh, get our Bibles. We're turning to Ephesians. I'm going to do a little excursion into Ephesians chapter 1. So if you have your Bibles, if you turn to Ephesians, you'll be close to everything we hope to uh, explore this morning in our Bible lesson. Now, of course, you know that Ephesians is in the New Testament, and there's, several, there's four books in the New Testament all right there together. So you have Galatians, you have four small books that Paul wrote from prison, and therefore they're often called the prison epistles. And so you have Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians, and Colossians. And we're looking today, and I hope to over the little bit here into the summer, we're going to take a few excursions into the book of Ephesians. And we're going to look today specifically at chapter one, a couple things that are important there. And so the title of our lesson today is The Church. Can you say that with me? The Church. Praise God. Anybody glad you're in the church today? Glad to be a part of the church. Glad to be a churched person and to know God because of his church. If it were not for the church, the gospel would not be preached. And that's exactly what this uh, chapter is really telling us about. But we're going to look at chapter three because that's our that's where we're going to grab our theme. And so if you would look at verse 19, Ephesians three and 19, and I'm going to uh, be reading from the from the authorized version, which is, you know, the most common and familiar. But we're going to take a look at a couple uh, other translations as we go along. But we're looking at the church and its importance to our lives and to salvation. So the sub lesson is the joy and the excitement and the blessing of being in God's church. Now, I, I checked it out. That actually is a church. I at first I thought it was a one of these graph, you know, because when have you seen a church on a hill like that? It's been a while. And, uh, and I thought, well, that's a beautiful church. I like it, even though I know it's probably not a real church. But it is a real church. I even searched it out to see where I found this photo. Uh, it, it actually, it's not in the United States, but it is a real church. And, of course, the building is not the church. How many knows that we are the church? The people are the church. And so um, I even saw some artist uh, drawings, which are very interesting, of a church that was drawn with people as the uh, as the building, like the blocks of the church. It was kind of weird, so I wouldn't use it. I mean, you know, if you have a building and there's people there and they're the blocks of the church. Of course, that was all symbolic. And it's a common theme in the Bible that the church or that the members of the church are the church. And the Apostle Peter, for example, different ones talk about it in different ways. And it's not just a theory. It's not, I don't mean to imply, well, it's just something people say. It, it's, it's actually true that the members, once we are born again, our lives are changed. We are the church. I am the church. And so, you know, that really puts a lot of weight upon our shoulders. We are the church. Hallelujah. Of course, and I'm also a preacher. So people will say, oh, the preacher. Oh, I met the preacher. Like, like that's, you know, that's something way up here. Now, there is a certain reverence for ministry, but there's no such thing as a preacher that is on a different level than any of God's people. We're all God's people. Hallelujah. And so we're going to read. Let's look at Ephesians 3.19. And uh, I do have a, you know, I realize my voice is horrific, but uh, 
but it's mostly pushed it down into the basement. So that's working on my, you know, little help, help me a little bit here as long as it holds out. Now, therefore, verse 19, you are no more strangers and foreigners. Can you say amen? So, we're, of course, I realize we're jumping in the middle of chapter three of a six chapter book written from prison. And he's trying to, the, Ephesians is one of the most amazing little books in the whole Bible for several reasons. I don't, I can't, I, I, my mind wants to do that kind of thing. But I, I want to look at this theme portion. You are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of God. Can you say amen? Praise God. Are you able to see that well enough to read verse uh, 20 with me? Verse 20. I've changed the color so you can kind of tell where it begins. Let's, let's give it a try and see. And are built upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. You know, there's a lot of people that are struggle with how Jesus could be both a man and be God at the same time. Because the first uh, issue that comes up is, does that mean he's two people? How, if he's a man, well, that, was, that a different, was that a man over there and then there's God over there? Or did God become a man? Well, that's miraculous. I mean, how in the world could a divine, invisible God become a, a human being or a baby in a manger or whatever, and, of course, it is constant through the scriptures that we come to understand that the God who came as Jesus Christ came as man in order that he might do something very powerful in the lives of individuals. Anybody here thankful for what God has done in your life? That's, that's the joy of being brought into the church. Hallelujah. I'm so thankful. Now, the first time I visited a church, of course, I never went to church anywhere. My dad was, you know, uh, it does, anyway, we didn't go to church. And <clears throat> now they had gone to church, like before I was born, they had been in a church and, you know, uh, but I didn't know that. And they never talked about it. My dad drank, 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 and, you know, they smoked. They, had, they smoked between the uh, uh, two of them, mom and dad, before they divorced, they smoked eight packs a day, the, just the two of them, to, you know, put them together. Are you getting your math okay there? So we didn't go to church. And the first time I walked it, but my grandmother, my both my mother's mother and my father's mother were church people. And they talked in tongues. Well, I'll just tell you, they were wild. They went to church and they had church. Woo! Hallelujah! They had church. I didn't know that. And I hadn't really only met my, my uh, let me think, my, my paternal grandmother. I'd only really met her one time. And dad, uh, mom rarely let us, as they went into divorce, would let us kids go off like that. We lived in Michigan. So uh, at one day, somehow, I don't know how it happened, mom said, okay, you can take them to your mother's. And she lived in Arkansas. And so we did. We went to Arkansas. I hardly saw dad because he never got, uh, he just 
ran around and from here and there and was drinking the whole time. So my grandmother said, your dad says you can go to church with us. I said, oh, good. And of course, I'm thinking, what in the world is that? I thought, that's going to be great. I, you know, my, maybe a mall or the church. That sounds great. Young boy. And we went to service on a, uh, you know, it was, it, it was during a revival, so they were extra wild. And I didn't know that. And I walked into the service, and I mean from the very first song, it was hallelujah anyhow. And they were, and my grandmother jumped up, wow, hallelujah. And from that moment on, I was petrified out of my brain. And I sat there and I said, oh, my goodness gracious, what is going on in this place? They're up and down, moving around, standing up, waving their hands, jumping around. People get out in the aisle. They were going, oh, hallelujah, get down here. Oh, thank you, Jesus, thank you, Jesus. Because I'd never heard of whoever they were talking about. We just weren't church people. That was my first time to walk through the doors of a church. And then the preacher got up and he had a Bible the size of a Mack truck. It was the biggest Bible in the world. I've never, to this day, never seen a Bible. This is a little tiny Bible. But I mean, it was huge. This, this thing, this won't work, but I'll use this. I mean, he had a Bible. And he was, he, I really, now that I think about it, because I was about 11 years old, I think he must have been preaching from a family Bible. Now that, you know, I've never really given that a lot of thought. All I could remember him taking that Bible. Ah! Man, he'd get down there, and Grandma and them sat right on the very front, like right here. We were sitting like right, right there. Got that Bible, man, he's down there. And I thought, what's this? Whoa, they're coming after us. I was petrified. And I didn't know whether, of course, I loved my grandparents, and I was, uh, I was uh, you know, I honored them. And we were a divided family, a troubled family, and all kinds of issues. And as that service progressed, guess what? the Holy Ghost began to work on an 11-year-old boy. And I began to respond to what was happening in that building. Someone said, well, that was groupthink or that was emotion. Well, of course it was. Of course there's emotion. They were talking about somebody dying somewhere and, and, and talking about blood and all I could think of was, oh, my goodness, it's a horror movie. I mean, it was just unbelievable. I couldn't follow a thing they were saying. He talks so fast. He talks almost as fast as I do. Hey, hallelujah, glory to God. He's gonna, you're going to have to be saved. I thought he was giving something away. Waving this humongous book around. You would think there wasn't a hope in the world that something would happen. But guess what? That's the day that God touched my life. And I mean, and my grandmother uh, reached over and she said, honey, she could see I was crying and they were doing something. I didn't know what I was supposed to do. She said, honey, they just want you to want to know if you do. You want to go up there and pray with those other people? Yes. And I, I got up there and I knelt down. And I mean, I never saw another thing. I just prayed and cried and cried and cried and cried. I cried so hard. I didn't know what I was even crying about. 
I just said, whatever. Uh, uh, oh, my goodness. And, and this is God. Okay, God, here we are. And the Holy Ghost began to move on me. And within just a few days in that revival, I had received the baptism of the Holy Ghost. And it changed my life forever. They didn't even have a building. They were meeting in a, a, a little, they, we, they called them storefronts then. They'd rent a little store, you know, where, they, uh, I don't know if they were stores or not, but they were little places where you could, like, go to the hardware store and then the next building's empty. That's where they had church in there. In fact, one time after I got the Holy Ghost, the, there was a drugstore that was, anyway, a drugstore was close. And they called and said, we're trying to sell drugs over here. You're going to have to quieten down. And they said, oh, we're very sorry. That was my introduction to the church. I found, someone said, well, what other church were you ever in? I was never in any other church. I walked into a Pentecostal church, and I felt the presence of God. And even when I received the Holy Ghost and spoke in tongues, I was like, oh, my goodness, I can't believe this is happening to me. And the devil said, you didn't get the Holy Ghost. You didn't speak in tongues. And I said, oh, I didn't speak. I told my grandma. I said, I, did I really speak in tongues? She said, oh, yes, <laughs> you remember? I said, well, yes, but, but the, my mind is saying, how could I have spoken in tongues? It was just like it just swept in on me like a, like a river, and my life was never the same. Things begin to change, all because the church is the place where the presence of God and the power of God can be manifest in all kinds of ways. It doesn't have to be running the aisle or jumping up and down, but it has to be the presence of God. In fact, the Lord is here this right now. God is working right now in our lives. Some of you are discouraged, and, and some of you are wondering, and you're, you don't know how it's going to work out. And, and uh, we got folks, uh, right now we got folks in the hospital. We got folks with very serious concerns. But we serve a mighty God that is able. And the faith of God's people begins to work and move in a powerful way. Okay, so it is that we are built upon the foundation of the apostles. Jesus is the chief cornerstone in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto an holy temple in the Lord. So now we're seeing it as the symbol of a, of a temple in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into an holy temple in the Lord in whom ye also are builded together for an habitation of God through the spirit. Can you say an habitation? And habitation. Is that and habitation? That's good English. All right. And it sounds weird, but and habitation, the place that you inhabit, that is what we are, and that's what the church is. Of course, if you came into a building like this, uh, you you may or may not, I'm not, I don't want to get into a wrangle here, but I want to be very clear that the building is not the church. Now, I can walk into this building, and I do every single day. There, I'm here at all kinds of hours, and I have never walked into this building that I did not feel the presence of God. There were times that I had to say, Father, I don't know if I can bury that man. I do not know if I can face that circumstance. And I would begin to feel the presence of God. But it was not because of the building. The building is dedicated to the church that inhabits it. And as we gather together, then great things begin to happen. I, let's clap our hands and thank God because we're in the church. What a good and blessed thing it is to be in the church. All right. Now, they're, we're gonna, they're going to go to the next one. 
And we're going we're gonna, to uh, walk through a couple more verses here. We're going to kind of look at chapter 1. If you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians chapter 1. For some reason, I have Galatians, but I'm not teaching from Galatians. All right, here we go. Ephesians chapter 1. So to be in God's church is uh, really this is the theme of the book of Ephesians. That it's such a wonderful thing. It's like being, let me say it like this. I'm taking real liberties here. But it's like being a millionaire, a billionaire, a soup. What, uh, is anybody more than a billionaire? I don't know. A trillionaire. I've never heard of a trillionaire, but that's what it's like. That's what the book of Ephesians says. You may be the poorest person ever lived, but if you're in the church, it's like being a trillionaire. Hallelujah. Because you didn't have anything, and all of a sudden you have everything. God is your Lord, and he's your, he is the one that loves you and helps you, and you have access to him. My goodness. You, you're in the church. See, what Paul says, it's like being a, like he uses the word rich and with a lot of times. Rich, you're rich in faith. You're rich in hope. You're rich in blessings. It's just like being a, a multi-trillionaire because you have been given the blessings of God. A lot of people have not learned this. I still have my music here. Uh, they haven't learned that uh, the blessing of God is the most important thing that you could ever have in your life. It would be better to please God and be saved and be in his church than to have all of the riches of the world. If you were, uh, you know, a rich man may become a president. I was reading the other day of how many rich men uh, have become president. And not only that, how many men before they left the White House were millionaires. And someone might think, and I know the world thinks, that if you have money, then you've, that's everything. Fame and money, that's everything. If you have fame and money. But it can't buy you health. It can't buy you heaven. And it certainly can't buy you happiness. In fact, over and over again, I see the, the rich and the famous searching. Of course, they're searching, just like all of us are. That is to say, we're created by a God that we need. And so our hearts search and long for the God that made us. It's sort of like, I, well, I want to be careful what I say. So if you have... Uh, 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 I know several people like this. I don't want to offend anybody, but if you never met your parents, I want to say it like that. Let's say you never met your own parents. And I know people, I, I meet them all the time. I've never met my parents. I do not know who my parents are. Or I have adopted parents or what, whatever. The and they say to me, I've heard it many, many times, I would love, oh, if I could, I'd love to meet my, my parents. I just would wish I could meet my parents. And I've said, that makes all the sense in the world to me that you'd want to meet your parents. I, I think that's good. And then they'll say, what do you think, Brother French? Should I uh, go? If I go, you know, what if they're this? In fact, I've got a family member that had never met her mother. And, uh, and I'll never forget the day that she said, I'm, I'm going. I've got, we're going to go. We're, we're going to meet her. And I said, now, listen, honey, here's the thing. I, I know it's wonderful. and It's going to be great and, it's, and all of that. But it, it, you, you may be disappointed. Because she's, you know, she's on drugs and she's, she has a rough life. And she, you know, the reason you've never met her is because of all of that. And I'm not saying that to disappoint you. I'm saying it to remind you. But the longing to know 
I mean, I, I can find no fault in that. I want to tell you something, my friend. We got a world that is running around needing to know their God and their maker, but instead they're doing everything else. But when you get into the church, you finally found the one that loved your soul, that made you and can take you on home to heaven. Praise God. Of course, I hear the criticism, oh, heaven, that's, that's pie in the sky. Uh, what, what's heaven all about? And so I've often said, well, okay, let's say heaven's not real. Then So dogs and humans are just all, just basically the same thing. A little chihuahua and you are exactly the same thing. You, that dog dies, goes down, just dust. You die, dust, that's it, right? That doesn't seem to make sense to me. I mean, let's say you're right. I mean, I'm not saying I'm right. I'm saying I think I'm right. But let's say you're right. And that humanity is nothing more than something that dies and goes into the dust. Does it really seem that that's true? Does that seem real? That humanity has with all, oh, we evolved into this from some sort of a monkey or whatever. All right, so let's say that's true. Let's say you think that is true. I want to tell you what evolution really is. It's the desire of the human heart to understand where it came from. It wants to understand why it's even here. How did I even get here? Why am I like I am? And, of course, that's also what the Bible is all about, telling us who we are and where we are and how we got here and telling us how we can get where we need to go. Praise God. You know, I meet people, I say, do you, do you think that when, when you die you'll live on? Well, yes, I hope so. Well, there you go. That's That's Christianity. That when you die, you still exist. You, you don't just die. I mean, because your flesh is gone, you just die. There's nothing there. That's not possible. The church is the place where all of this becomes part of our understanding. We comprehend it. So through the church, God has given us the power of worship. Now look at verse 3 of chapter 1. He hath blessed us. Can you read that? He hath blessed us with what? All Spiritual blessings. Okay, so, and I put that in, a, in red there. He hath blessed us with all spiritual blessings. Praise God. So whatever you need today, I wonder if you could just lift a hand like this and say, Father, I need you today. I have need of you today. I need your help. I need your power in my life. I just want to know you and understand you. Now, let, let's go at it another way. There are people that put their confidence in politics, for example. We're, we're living in the most crazy political hour probably in the history of the world. We're moving quickly towards socialism all around the world and where freedoms are being given up. And so people will put their confidence in, for example, they will easily say, do you believe so-and-so? And you would say, they would almost die for that person. And I said, well, that's noble. That's very noble. I mean, there are men whose uh, uh, philosophies and uh, teachings and so forth were very, very amazing. Uh, I, I can think of at least a dozen men right now that I personally often go back to. Uh, one of my favorites, of course, is Dr. King, but I like to go back and see the philosophy behind these individuals. But... Uh, <clears throat> And that's good. So I'm saying that to, I'm trying to tell you, I'm not, I'm not knocking it. I, I do it myself. But of course, Dr. King would never think for a moment that he could save himself and that he was the hope of the world. He didn't point to himself as the hope of the world. He pointed to someone else as the hope of the world. So if we can put our confidence in 
men or things. For example, young people will put their confidence in, uh, it, let's say, they're, for example, they will fall in love with movie stars or singers, especially singers. It seems like uh, some of these singers get a whole, I mean, they're so talented and they're rich and, and they come from nowhere and then they become multimillionaires and, every, and no matter what they sing, they're their heroes. They'll make a hero of someone they've never met. Never met them. Now, they may go see them up on a stage or something, but they've not met them. They don't know them. But yet they would literally give everything to just, uh, just, to, just to touch somebody, just to say, hey, I'm, I'm near this person. I remember years ago, <laughs> is everybody okay? Are you, is everybody awake? I, I'm feeling really good here. My bass voice, I'm singing bass. Um, uh, I, Lord, I don't know if I should tell this. Let me check the time. Oh, I shouldn't tell it. Um, uh, mm, I don't know if I should tell that. Uh, okay, I'm trying to think if I should tell that. All right. Um, Elvis Presley. The Beatles. Yeah. I lived, of course, I'm 61. I lived through the, f I had friends, I had people that were whacked out with the Beatles. I mean the Beatles. Don't say anything about the Beatles. In fact, one of the Beatles made a statement some years ago that they were more, there's been a lot of talk, I'm just repeating something that's been talked about quite a bit recently, because the, you know, these folks, their fame comes and goes, they're not near, they don't have the fame they had, obviously, way back then. But people, especially young ladies, I remember of both of these, Presley, and the Beatles, they would almost go into, a, well, it was kind of weird. They want to get, you know, they would scream. There, there was the screamers, and they would scream. And I, I would say, I would tell one girl, I said, are you, what are you doing? Oh, oh. Well, I know what you're doing, but the, what I'm trying to figure out is why are you, why are you so caught up? Well, I mean, uh, they were. They were caught up in something that they related to. That's, and and, and it, look at what it did to the world. I mean, some people say Elvis was the beginning of rock and, and the Beatles were the beginning of whatever. So these were people that touched people and people became so connected to them. If they took drugs, then they would take drugs. If they sang songs about uh whatever, and, and that's the lifestyle they lived, then that's the way they wanted to live. They, put, they combed their hair exactly the same way. They wore the same clothes. They became influenced by human beings in ways that were just almost really interesting, I would say. Trying not to be too dogmatic here. Which I have often wondered why people could be so concerned about someone giving their heart and life and commit themselves to God who made them, well, he's invisible. You can't see him. And, of course, that's idolatry. When the only thing you put your confidence is in what you can see. And, of course, we don't really. You can't see love, but you still believe in it. You can't see a lot of things, and you, you're not going to see God until you look right into the face of Jesus Christ and then you're going to see the face of God because he said when you have seen me you have seen him and so it is that uh, we have been brought 
together in the church into a very special place that links us to heaven. So when we come into the house of the Lord, and that's, church, listen to me, it's vital that we come into worship believing and understanding that we are sitting in heavenly places. Now, you're listening to a preacher talk, and we're in a Bible lesson, and I'm not going to get through it all, but here we are. And so I don't expect you to be doing cartwheels and running and screaming and, and, uh, and so on. You may say, well, I'm just listening. I'm listening to something. But the fact of the matter is that when we gather into the presence of the Lord, we are connected into heaven itself. All of a sudden, oh, hallelujah. Well, the devil thought he was going to destroy you or something you love. And all of a sudden, heaven gets involved. Man, I wish, I, I wish it didn't hurt just to, <laughs> just to talk. Oh. Praise God. So you're, you've been saved by the bell. Because it excites me to think that, that I can, no matter whether I'm worthy, someone said, you're not worthy. Who do you think you are? I just know that I have been saved. That's what I know. I don't know anything else. I've been saved, and that's more important to me than anything else. I, I've found a place where I can experience heaven for myself. Someone said, ah, church is boring. Well, you need to be around Pentecost a little bit more because Pentecost is not boring. Pentecost is a place where the Holy Ghost falls and miracles begin to take place. Praise God. Cancer can be healed. God can raise the dead. I was in a service in Ethiopia where they literally raised a man whose arms and legs were folded and had never walked. And all of a sudden, in the power of the Holy Ghost, his arms began to open, his legs opened up, and he got up and walked for the very first time. You talk about changing your attitude. My goodness. That's the kind of power that's available to us because of the church and it's in the church it's because of the people in the church all right let's go to the next one now look at verse four even as he chose us now i'm reading from the esv all right here we go it's kind of tiny even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world in other words he planned all this out that we should be holy and blameless before him this is the esv which is the english standard then we go to verse five in love he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ. So the word predestined there means that he predetermined it. He knew all things. How many knows that God knows everything? He knows the beginning from the end. He knows everything. Hallelujah, hallelujah. So he predestined us according to the purpose of his will. All right, according to the purpose of well, let's see if this will work. No, this thing. Uh-oh. I didn't do this. Our pointer is gone. To the praise of his glorious grace. Can you say grace? To the praise of his glorious grace. Everybody say grace. The church is where you find grace. Hallelujah. And it is a glorious grace. I didn't deserve it, but he loved me anyway. Hallelujah. I wasn't even supposed to be there, but he loved me anyway. 
And so I give thanks for his glorious grace with which he has blessed us in the beloved. See, I'm going to stop, but I'm going to keep going. In him we have redemption through his blood. This is one of the riches of being in the church. Redemption comes through the blood. And folks, let me tell you something. Lord, help me to be honest and, and sincere. You cannot be saved any other way. There is no such thing as salvation apart from the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not possible. It will never be possible. In him we have redemption through his blood. The forgiveness of our trespasses, hallelujah, according to the riches of his grace. I didn't deserve it, but he gave it to me in abundance anyway. Hallelujah. So my dad couldn't even get out of a bar room until God gave him the Holy Ghost. Couldn't even get off a bar stool. And God gave me the Holy Ghost young enough that I never was in a bar. I never had to smoke the cigarettes and drink the booze and get stoned and live that life because of the wonderful riches. And the riches kept flowing over and flowing over. My stepdad, my folks' mother finally remarried. And my stepdad, who basically raised me, he's now passed, had cancer. But he, he raised me. He was such a drinker that he couldn't even pass a bar room. And one day, the overflow of the power of God got a hold of my stepdad, and he got the Holy Ghost, and he lifted his hands, and he began to speak in other tongues. So my dad and my stepdad, of course, I was so glad that my stepdad, because my stepdad was unbearable. But when he got the Holy Ghost, oh, my goodness. Everything just changed. Of course, that was after God touched my middle boy who had leukemia and raised him up. And my stepdad said, if God can heal that baby, then that's the God I want to serve. He was whatever. I forget how old he was. But he got the Holy Ghost that day, and it changed his life forever. Can we just clap our hands and thank God for the hope that's in the grace, the riches of his grace which he lavished, and this is why I'm using the ESV, which, look, I'm the very last line down there. I have to point with this pointer. The other pointer's not working. Which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight. So that's the ESV. I'm just checking one thing here. All right, with all wisdom and insight. Okay, let's go to the next one. Let's see, we got a couple more. Now, of course, the most important thing about the church this picture, I don't know where it comes from, but it's, it looks better if you see it in a portrait. <laughs> it's kind of a very colorized version of, of heaven. It's supposed to be like, you know, a depiction of heaven, which how are you supposed to uh, paint a picture of the half of which has never been told? I mean, they're just doing the best they can. But the reason I'm using it is to remind us that in the church, we have obtained our portion of the inheritance. Of course, the Holy Ghost is a portion. It's like, uh, let's call it, the, well, the ESV, I'm going to read from the ESV again in verse 13, so hold on, we'll get to it. But the Holy Ghost, even though I've never been to heaven, I've never seen Jesus, although I talk to him every day and I love him and I know him and I trust him, I've never seen him. He's never appeared to me, even in a vision. 
Now, I've seen, had all kinds of religious experiences, but, and someone said to me, well, so-and-so saw Jesus in a vision. Well, great, great, great. Well, that's wonderful. I have no problem with that, but I never saw him in a vision. I, I've prayed till I could hardly pray anymore, and I felt his touch, and, and I've, I've, I've seen his hand working in powerful ways because he's a wonderful God. But the Holy Ghost that he gives us is the guarantee. It's the proof that there is a heaven. That's what the church is all about. It's the place where we come and feel God and know and commune with God in ways that remind us there really is a heaven. Hallelujah. I'm getting ready to see Jesus, in whom also we have obtained an inheritance. Verse 13, we're skipping a verse. In him you also, when you heard the truth, the gospel of your salvation, we're over here uh, uh, in the little white box there, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire uh, possession of it. That's the ESV. So it's the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of that inheritance. So here's a little something, and, and that's the proof that it, heaven is waiting. So I love you, and, and I love the church, and I love being here, and I thank God this is a Bishop, thank you for it. We're getting ready to have our 50th anniversary, and we got Brother Paul Mooney coming, the assistant superintendent of the UPC, and, and uh, the Flyers will be here this week, and we're mailing them out all over the country, and we're excited. We're going to have a homecoming. Let's clap our hands and thank God for what God has done at the Apostolic Tabernacle. We thank God for it, and I'm glad you're here, and I'm glad for the, every good thing. And I'm almost done. i got to step out of the way here. But I want to tell you something. I'm not doing it for what's down here. Hallelujah. I'm not doing it to get somebody to pat me on the back. I'm doing it because I want to see Jesus. <laughs> I want to make heaven. I want heaven to be my home. Praise God. I want to step from this life into life everlasting. That's what I was created for. I was not created to be perfect and please everybody and everybody think, oh, he's practically God. No, I was created to know God and meet him. And one of these days, anybody want to meet the Lord? Can we just lift our hands and thank God, Father? I want to meet you. I want to see your face. I want to come before you in all of your power and let your will be done. And we give you praise. All right, let's stand. Let's stand. I'm going to check the time and see. I'm not going to give them any more than they have to have. Okay. All right. I got one minute. Here we go. So the church then has received the power of the resurrection. What we are feeling here is Easter all the time. The exceeding greatness of his power is in this place to the working of his mighty power. And verse 22 says, and hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head of over all things to the church. So I want us to do something. I've got about 30 seconds. I want us to, whatever you have today that you need from God, I want you to tell the devil to back up. You're putting your trust in a Savior and a God that's able to take care of it. Somebody you're praying for right now, let's just close our eyes. Let's lift our hearts together. Father, right now, I pray for every need that's in this building right now. I pray that every life that is uh, represented in this sanctuary will feel and know your mighty hand that the enemy will be held back and that your will will be accomplished in our lives 
And we thank you for it because you are great and mighty. And we give you praise. And can you say amen?